the book of James, but the big idea of this series that we are talking about is what does it look like to move beyond useless faith? That there's different kinds of faith, there's different types of faith. Maybe you're somebody that has grown up in the church, or you're somebody that um, went to church at some point, and then I was just talking to somebody recently, uh, today, that said, man, kind of, there was a point in our life where we started, we're getting tired of church, or kind of burnt out with church, or, um, or just faith in general, people can feel that, and James says, yes, there is a kind of faith that's like that, and he wants us to move beyond that kind of faith. He wants us to experience a better kind of faith. So maybe an analogy that will help us think about that is, um, does anybody have uh, a record player? Does anybody have a record player in their house? There's a couple of you. Okay, we need more hipsters in this church. Um, so I have a record player, and uh, I don't have it because I'm a hipster. I have it because I'm cheap, and I used to go to Goodwill and get records uh, from Goodwill and listen to that. And now I have a record player. It sits on our entry table when you walk into our house and don't use it at all because I have Spotify now. And so everything I could ever want to listen to, I listen to on Spotify. And the true hipsters are like, well, it doesn't have the scratchy noise or whatever. Okay, exactly. It sounds good. So I have, I have Spotify and I don't use it. So I have, a, I have a record player and it sits there. And it's not that it's useless. The record player works. It does something if I decide to engage with it. It does something if I decide to actually use it. But it, it's really kind of useless. It's not central to my, to my home. It's not central to my music listening. It's not central to that. What's central to that is Spotify. Spotify is useful, and, I, and, it's, and we use it when people come over, and I use it if I'm listening to music, and I use it if um, there's a song I want to hear that I heard from somewhere else. And it's, that, that is central to my music listening. It actually affects my life. The record player sits there. I have it. It's present, but it, it's, it's kind of useless because I don't use it. And James, really, when he's talking about faith, says maybe you have kind of a record player faith. That James doesn't exactly say that because record players weren't invented, and James wouldn't have used them if they were. But he says, maybe you have faith kind of like that. Maybe it's present. Maybe it's there. Maybe you've had it for a while. Maybe at one point it was useful to you, but it's, it's just sitting there. It's not necessarily central to your life. It doesn't necessarily affect everything about your life. It's not necessarily the thing that you actually go to, that you actually rely on, that you actually count on. And he doesn't want that for us. He wants something better for us, because if faith is what God says it is, if faith is what the Bible talks about, then it should have deep power. There should be deep resources in it to be able to face all of life that we experience. And, and today we're going to look at what has the power to create a different kind of life in us and a different kind of community, really. And to begin with, we're just going to talk about seeds. How many of you have planted a garden before, or maybe just a plant? Maybe you weren't ambitious. Maybe just like one herb, one, one sprig of parsley. How many have done that? Okay, well, I, we planted a garden, but this is a coffee seed, and we, when we were in Costa Rica, uh, we did a coffee farm tour, so I thought I would use uh, coffee as an example. But it's small, right? I know on the screen it's big, but a coffee seed is, is small. It's just one little seed. A coffee seed, a coffee bean, it's small. A coffee seed is small, and yet eventually it grows into this. This is just stock photos. I don't know these people. Um, but this is, this is what a coffee tree grows into. A coffee tree grows into a big thing. You've got, and this, again, if you've planted a garden or you've done, I mean, you know, you take one little tiny seed, put it in the ground, and eventually, like zucchini, if you've ever planted zucchini, it's one little tiny seed that then takes over your entire yard, this giant bush. 
And uh, that's what coffee does. You take one little seed, put it in the ground, and over years' time, it takes, I think he said like three years' time before coffee sort of blossoms into its full size. And it can keep growing beyond that but in, when it becomes a useful size. But it grows, right? One little seed then begins to grow into something big. But then that's not it. That's not where it stops, right? A seed is planted. A small little seed is planted. Then it grows. And then what happens after that? There's the effects of it. The effects of it is this. It's not the goal of a, of a coffee seed isn't a coffee bush. The goal of a coffee seed is the effects of it. Something is planted, something then grows, and then there's the effects of it. And these are just stock photos. But again, think about the effects of one little coffee seed. Think about the effects of a coffee seed that then turns into a bush. That then, what is coffee actually used for? What's the effects of it? Maybe the effects of it is uh, helps you to study. If you're a student, probably most of your studies involve a cup of coffee. Or maybe it's just friends hanging out, blurry friends hanging out, even better. Uh, maybe it's, this must have been a very small photo that I stretched. Uh, maybe the effect of it is it brings people together in its community and you have fun with people and say, hey, want to get a cup of coffee and catch up on life? One little seed, one little seed turns into a bush that then turns into, hey, let's get together and talk about life and have fun. Or, or maybe it turns into just energy. I love, this is how coffee works. Coffee, magic, energy. That's it. Very scientific explanation. And maybe that's what coffee is to you. One little seed, and then someone was like, yes. Uh, one little seed. I don't care about blurry friends. I care about magic energy. <laughs> and, and, and then your energy in your day. That seed became the productivity in your life. Or, or maybe it's a business meeting, an interview. I mean, think about times that maybe you have gotten together with people, and, and if you're in sales or if you're uh, in any sort of, uh, man, I, I work at coffee shops a lot, and I'm always seeing meetings happen over coffee. And one little seed leads to a bush that then leads to transactions, multi-million dollar transactions happening or, or smaller than, than that. Um, or maybe it leads to romance and love. I, I googled um, in Google Images romantic coffee date. And there's this couple drinking coffee with a blanket, which I've never gone to a coffee shop. And they've said, sir, here is your blanket, you know. If you know where this is, I'd like to know. I'd like to go to a coffee shop and they give me my espresso and a blanket. But maybe that's what it turns into. Probably a lot of you, your first date was, hey, let's go get coffee. One of my first dates with Sarah, my wife, was coffee. I don't think it wasn't actually a date at that point, but it was, she, I thought it was a date. She didn't know that, but, um, but that was one of the first. It's like, hey, let's get coffee. Let's get coffee. See, so w my point is this, that there's a seed, right? And it's just a small little thing. And then it grows into something, but then there's the effects of that that touch all sorts of different areas of life. Now, seeds in the natural world, another thing that is analogous to that is words. And we use words like that, right? We will talk about a word, some, somebody, something that somebody says, kind of, um, you might say, hey, a seed got planted, or, or we might say um, that something somebody says, it kind of got, uh, man, that really stayed with me, it kind of really got buried into my soul, or, or we, we think about words often the same way that are analogous to the way seeds Function. Because think of words. You've probably had times in your life where said, someone said something, just a little seed got planted in you, and then it started to grow, and then there was effects of that in your life. And that, that could be positive things. 
There could be somebody early in your life that said something. Maybe they said they believed in you in some way or they saw something in you in some way that was good or something. Um, maybe they said, man, I really see in you that you're a leader or I really see in you that you're kind. Or, and that started to actually grow in your life, that seed that was planted. And then it's actually had effects in your life or, or maybe the opposite. I remember talking to a woman once who, when she was younger, her dad told her that she was fat. And that seed got planted in her and began to then grow in her and cause all sorts of issues that you can imagine in your life, if you've ever experienced something like that, and, and then started to have effects into her life and affect her relationships and affect all sorts of things because of a word, a seed that was planted. A seed gets planted and it grows and it leads to effects. And that's true in the natural world, but it's true with, it's true with our words. It's true with our, it's true with our words also. Now, here's where this brings us to. What James is going to say in this next passage is words are like seeds. Words are like seeds. And you know that there's been words planted in you. You know that there's been words planted in you at different times that are powerful. But imagine, imagine what would happen if the word that was planted in you, imagine what would happen if the word planted in you was the word of the gospel. If, if the words, you're fat, can have power to plant in you and affect your life eventually with all sorts of results, what would happen if the word that was planted in you was the word of God, which says, I love you, you're forgiven, I take away all guilt and all shame from your life, I give you a new identity, I give you righteousness, you're accepted in me. I am one with you. I want you in my family. What if that word was planted in you? What if that word grew in you? What if that word had effects in your life? What if that was the word that got planted deep in your soul? Other words have gotten planted deep in your soul that have had effects, that have had power. And usually the source that the word comes from, the more power that that has. If your father says something, your mother says something, or someone close to you says something, that seed gets planted, it grows, it has effects. What if the word from God, what if the word of God, the gospel word, got planted in your soul and grew and had effects? What, what would that create? And here's how James says this. He says, know this, my beloved brothers. He's going to talk about the things that we don't want, the kind of life and community we don't want. He says, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. He says, look, we don't want a kind of life where we're angry and where we're uh, quickly reacting and speaking to things. And, and when we're angry, that doesn't produce the kind of righteousness, the kind of community that God desires. Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness. And, and then here's the Here's the solution to all that. Here's how you get a different kind of life, a different kind of community. Receive with meekness the implanted, that's, that's that seed analogy, receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. Now, when James is talking about the implanted word, that doesn't mean, and most of the time when you read in the New Testament, when you read in the Bible, the word of God, we usually think the Bible. But that's not what it means. When the Bible says the word of God or the word, it's most of the time not referring to the Bible because the Bible wasn't written at that point. If James is writing, receive the implanted word, he doesn't mean the Bible because the Bible wasn't done yet. 
James is actually, most people think, the first letter that was written. So he's not referring to all the things in the New Testament that we have. The word, when the Bible talks about the word, is the gospel word. Everything that I just said, the good news of what God speaks to us. The good news that there's a Savior. The good news that there's forgiveness. The good news that your shame can be removed, that your, that your, that your guilt can be removed, that you can have an identity in Christ, that you can be united to Him, that you can have a relationship with God, that you can be uh, in His family. That is the word. That's the gospel. That's the good news that comes to us. And James says, what would happen if that got planted in you? He says, look, there's a kind of community and a kind of anger and a kind of, I mean, all those different relational tensions that we experience. And that doesn't produce the righteousness of God or the kind of community that God would desire for us. And so he says, here's the solution to have a different kind of life and a different kind of community. You need this word planted in you. The word receive, the word planted in you, which is able to save your souls. Now, as we get into this, some, some people may say, that's exactly what I want. I want a different kind of life. I want a different kind of community. I want, I want that to happen. I want the gospel word to get deeper planted inside of me. I want that. And James is going to help us understand how, how we do that. And some of you maybe say this, though. Some of you maybe are skeptical because you might say, well, I have received that word I know what the gospel is, all the stuff you just said. That's not new to me. I, I know that, and yet my life is still struggling. I'm still sinning. I'm still not changing. There's still, I, I still am you know, quick to anger and not slow to speak and all that stuff, and the righteousness of God isn't what defines my life and, and might be skeptical that the implanted word does that, and James is going to help us because he says, man, there's, there's a way we have to approach it. There's a way we have to approach it. There's a way we have to use it. That if you're excited and go, yeah, man, I, I want that in my life, and you're eager, James says, I'm going to help you understand how that seed begins to grow and affect your life. But if you're skeptical too, James will say, hey, sometimes we miss some of the ways we have to experience it. So James is going to help us. And first we begin with this. How do we need to approach what God said? How do we need to approach God's word or what God says or the gospel word? How do we need to approach it? Because there's a different kind of approach. If you want what James is talking about, there's a different kind of approach that we have to have to it. If we want it to grow and affect our life, the coffee seed, in order for it to grow into a bush, and in order for it to lead you on a romantic date with a blanket, in order for, at a coffee shop, in order for, excuse me, in order for that to happen, in order for that to happen, how do we need to approach it? There's a different kind of way. And here's what he says. He says, here's the way you have to approach it. You have to approach it with you have to approach it with humility. You have to approach it with humility. He says, receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. Receive with meekness. That's humility. That's a openness. That's a posture that says, I, I want this. It's a posture that says, I don't know and I want to receive. It's a humble heart. Uh, let me give you an analogy that is seed related. This is my lawn. Um, it's not actually. This is my lawn. Um, that is very different, okay? And it's so dirty, it's not even brown, it's gray. And um, here's why my lawn looks like this, because it doesn't obey what James says. Um, the, way that, the way that seed gets into something, the way that you get this kind of lawn and not this kind of lawn that has like one piece of grass over here, 
the way you get this, the way you get a beautiful lawn is meekness. See, the ground, this, the ground has to open in order for the seed to get in. There has to be an openness to get the seed in. So you, you may pay for aeration, which is they come and they till up the soil to get the seed actually inside. They open up the soil. That's part of even what water does. Water does other things also, but part of why water benefits is because it, it pushes the seed down. It gets it into the ground because it's got to be open in order to receive the seed. If you just have hard soil, if you just have hard soil and throw seed on the top of it, you want to know what will happen? That. Nothing. In order, in order to get a lush, beautiful garden, in order to get lush, beautiful grass, you have to have openness. You have to have meekness. In order for it to actually get planted in, there has to be an openness, a meekness. And this is what James says, the same with the seed of the Word of God is the same way that, that uh, the same way that this, that grass seed works is the way that the seed of God works. And you won't get the power that God's Word can do if there's not meekness, if there's not openness. Now, let me tell you that this is difficult because here's what the opposite of that is. The opposite of a humility that approaches the Word of God, the opposite of a meekness that approaches the Word of God is a judgment. See, some people come to the Bible and they may open the Bible, and there might be parts of it, and maybe this is for you. You open the Bible, and there's parts of it you like. You like 1 Corinthians 13 that, that says love is kind, and love is patient, and love does not envy. And it's a very popular wedding verse. Many people that don't, you know, they don't go to church, and they don't have Christian uh, kind of background, they, they love that verse. It talks about love. Or you may like the verse that says all things are possible through Christ. And, or maybe even cut out the Christ part and just say all things are possible. And you go, that, that, I like that verse. And there's parts of the Bible that people come to, or maybe it's parts about forgiveness, and you go, yeah, I like the parts that talk about forgiveness, and yeah, I, I want to live in a society where people forgive or turn the other cheek. And a, and a lot of times people come to the Bible and they go, I like this, but I don't like this part. But you see, that's the opposite of meekness. That's the opposite of openness. That's the opposite of humility. There's an approach to what God says that says, I like this, I don't like this, but that is the opposite of what James is talking about. A, me a meekness, an openness, a humility says, I am going to receive what I like, what I don't like. And if, if you're there, and if you read the Bible, and there's times that you come to it, and you say, you know what, I just, I like this stuff and I don't like this stuff. I just want, if that's, and you consciously know that's you. I think we all do that at different times, but if you consciously know, yeah, that's me, there's parts I just don't want to accept or I just don't believe, man, I, I don't think, I just want to ask you this question, doesn't it make sense, doesn't it make sense that if this is actually God speaking to us, that there's going to be parts of it that you don't like, doesn't it make sense that if it's actually God's word speaking to us, doesn't it make sense that not everything in there is going to line up with exactly what we already think? I mean, if you read the Bible and you go, oh, th this is exactly what I already thought, then you might go, oh, I don't know if that's actually God speaking. But doesn't it make sense that if God is speaking to us, 
Doesn't it make sense? There's going to be parts that we go, oh, that's challenging. I don't like that. Or, oh, yeah, I do like that. Or in different cultures, even in different countries, even in different time periods, even that there's going to be parts that we go, I like that. I don't like that, that some cultures gravitate towards and other cultures don't gravitate towards. And some time periods gravitate towards and other time periods go, I don't like that. I mean, doesn't it make sense that if there's a God that's eternal, that's outside of time and outside of culture, that that the things that he says aren't going to just line up with whatever we think already right now? See, you and I want friends in our life. You and I want friends in our life that can say things that challenge us. You and I want friends in our life that can say things that, and I'm not saying you want a jerk in your life that's always challenging you, but none of us just want people that are always saying, oh, everything you say is great, or people in our life that say everything you say sucks, right? We don't want people, we want real friends, Sometimes you'll hear celebrities talk about this, that they'll talk about they don't, you know, they've got fans and they've got critics, but they long for those people that are just like, man, they're just real with me. We want that. And if we want that kind of relationship with God, a relationship that can actually challenge us and encourage us, but can actually challenge us, we have to have a humility, a meekness to be able to say, okay, God, I'm open. I'm open. James says, if you want, if you want a seed to get planted in you, to then grow, to then have effects, if you want that, it starts just like my, my yard starts, just it starts with openness. You have to have a humility that says, okay, God, I'm going to accept what you say. I'm going to receive what you say, the parts I like and the parts I don't like. But there's another part of humility also of how we have to approach it that James says. And, and part of that just, it backs up a step from what I just said. See, there's a, there's, a, there's a posture that says, I need to be humble, but let's back up. Let's back up to even saying, I'm going to even listen in the first place. Because there's a kind of pride that is judgmental that says, I'm the one that actually knows what's good and what's bad here, and I'm the one that can discern what to take and what not to take. There's a kind of pride that does that, but there's also a kind of pride that says, I'm not even going to listen in the first place. I don't even need to hear in the first place. I don't, I don't need to. There's a kind of pride that does that, which is why James begins with saying, receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. See, we have to actually just begin to, to receive, to listen. Do you listen to the word of God? Do you receive in the first place the word of God? Whenever you and I know that we're weak, Whenever you and I know that we're ignorant in something, when we know consciously, when we know that, we are motivated to listen. We're motivated to receive. We're motivated. So if, if, you, um, if you have ever studied for something intense in your life, we've, I've, I've known people in our church in the past that were studying to be surgeons, right? That's something that you don't just walk into a room with surgery and go, I think I, think I got this, or you would hope that somebody doesn't do that. That's something that somebody says, I don't, this is big. I don't know about this. So I need to receive this word about surgery. I need to receive this, you know, these whatever surgery people study. You know, I need to receive these cadavers and stuff with meekness. I need to study this. Or I know we have people in our church right now that are studying to be uh, pilots. And that's not something, right, that you just walk into a plane and go, I think I got this. I've driven before. I know how to ride a bike. It's something you receive with meekness and go, okay, I don't know how to do this. Teach me. Show me. 
What does this button do? What does this, and you probably ask before you touch it, but you go, what does this do? I need to receive this with meekness. Whenever we know, whenever we're conscious of our ignorance in something, whenever we're conscious of our weakness in something, we receive with meekness. We receive with humility. We say, I got it. I need to know this. I'm going to listen to you. But here's what I want to say about the Bible. Here's what I want to say about God speaking to us. Sometimes the problem isn't that we read and go, ah, I like this part, I don't like this part. Sometimes, sometimes it's that we don't even listen in the first place. But what does that tell us about what we believe? You see, the Bible speaks not to how to fly a plane or how to do surgery. The Bible speaks to the core of life. The Bible speaks to our souls. It speaks to our relationships. It, it speaks to our purpose and our significance. It speaks, to, it speaks to the deepest things in our hearts. It speaks to how to change. It, it speaks to everything of the core of who we are, our identity. The Bible speaks to that. The Bible speaks to that. And yet, don't, if we're honest, don't our actions often show, I actually think I'm good on that. Yeah, I need to learn surgery. Yeah, I need to learn law. Yeah, I need to learn um, what, whatever, you know, coding or whatever your, you know, thing is that you feel ignorance in, that you have a motivation to learn. Yeah, I need to learn that. But don't, doesn't our actions show often that sometimes we don't even begin on the receiving part? We actually say, I think I'm actually good on those things. We'll receive recommendations on all sorts of things in our life, where to eat and Hey, do you have good recommendations on a mechanic? Do you have good? We'll, we'll receive recommendations and we'll, we will admit our ignorance and we will admit our weakness in all sorts of things in life. But don't our actions show that often the most core of what life is actually about, we go about our way without receiving? All right, let me say it another way. When you read the Bible or when you listen to sermons or when you when you get together with people and talk about the Bible, do you ever feel that to be dry or unimportant or just kind of like, okay, uh-huh? Do you ever feel that? Maybe that's pride. Maybe that's a lack of humility to receive, or maybe it's a lack of meekness in the approach. Because when we're humble and when we know our weakness, we are expectant and desiring and hungry to go, I know there's something I need here. See, when we're humble, when we know our weakness, when we want to receive, we're in a different posture where we say, I, I know I'm missing something here. I want to know. And hunger creates learning. Hunger and desire creates learning. Because when you are open, you go, I know I need stuff, and you begin to find stuff. There's a, there's a woman who is kind of an expert. She's passed away now uh, in the last handful of years. I can't remember exactly when, but um, she's an expert on kids in, from hard places is kind of what um, she talked about. And so kids that have gone through adoption or foster care, and, and my wife and I, for those of you who don't know, recently adopted. And her name is Karen Purvis, and she wrote this book, The Connected Child. And she is just like a Yoda for, I mean, she's just like a child whisperer person. And it's amazing. You watch videos of her with kids that are like, ah! and she's just like, and they just <laughs> like, I want to obey you, you know? And it's just like, whoa, I wish you were alive. Um, but this book is like her 
you know, tome on, on following in her footsteps and being her disciple. And so that book is, it, it, honestly, I would say it's not that well written. I don't, I don't know if she wrote it or something. It's, I don't think it's that well written. Like, you know, I've read good books. It's just like page turner. But the content in it, the knowledge in it, the wisdom in it is gold. And maybe if you read it, you wouldn't think that. Because maybe you don't have a kid from a hard place right now. So you might go, okay, this is fine, whatever. But for me, when I read this, every page, because I'm coming to it with a posture of humility and going, I need some help. I need to learn. Yoda, teach me. And I'm flipping and I'm looking and I'm searching. And every page I'm going, I want this. I want what you have to... And the humility and the posture of openness and the ignorance that I know I have and the weakness I know I have drives me for it to actually become alive to me. Now, what I'm saying is this. James says, when you approach the word of God, is there a humility? Are you, do you know your weakness, your ignorance, and so therefore you expect to learn, you want to learn, you come saying, God, teach me. I know I need stuff in life and identity and significance and purpose and forgiveness and guilt and, and relationships. I know I need you. Because if you do, the seed is able to get planted. If not, it's dry ground. that It's hard for the seed to actually even get in in the first place. James says this is where it begins. We have to have a different approach to what God says. We have to have a different approach to what God says. Do you want the power of the word of God, the gospel, getting planted in your soul. Do you want that power? Human beings can fly across the sky. Human beings can take an organ from one body and replace it in another body when they are humble and receive that knowledge. But imagine what would happen if we received in our soul the word of God what could that do in your life? What could that do? James says, if, if we want that, if we want that, it starts with a different kind of approach. An approach that says, I'm going to receive, and I'm going to receive with humility. I'm going to receive, and I'm going to receive with humility. Here's what this means just practically, is what if you approached, for those of you that are in community groups or LTG, what if you approached that, those times as you get together talk about the Bible, talk about life, talk about God, and to say, I, I know I need something here. What if you approach it with a different attitude, a different posture? What if, you, what if you came on Sundays, not just, okay, I'm supposed to be here on Sundays, but saying, okay, God, we're going to talk about your word, and I know I need something. What if you approach just with a different heart and a different attitude? That's the openness that begins to let seeds get planted in the first place an expectancy, a humility, a wanting. But what do we do with what God says? Because it doesn't just, it doesn't just, it doesn't end with an attitude of a posture of humility. Just as a seed gets planted, the seed also has to grow. And James says that the way you let it grow into your life is the next thing he wants to talk about. What do we do with what God says? How do we let it grow into our life? That's how we let it plant into our life, but how do we actually let it grow into our life? And you know what James says? A lot of hearing is done. You hear a lot. You, you, might, you might hear a lot of sermons. You might, 
If you're even really ambitious, you might listen to podcasts of sermons. You might uh, read the Bible during the week. You might go to community group and hear stuff about the Bible. You, you, a lot of hearing is done, James said. A lot of hearing is done, but hearing is deceptive and hearing is dangerous. See, just because you hear the Bible a lot, just because you listen to the Bible a lot, just because content is coming at you a lot, that can actually be dangerous to your soul. It can actually be deceptive. And James says this. He says, but be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourself. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and at once forget what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and per perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. What do we do with God says? What do we do with it? And here's what James does. He uses the analogy of a mirror. He uses the analogy. This is from Ikea. If, if you go, I want to buy that. Um, he, I don't have that mirror, but I just, it's a photo of credit said from Ikea. So anyways, <laughs> there you go. Ikea hopefully will pay me money for saying that because they regularly listen to my sermons. Um, he uses the analogy of a mirror and he says, hey, imagine that you walk and you look at a mirror. What if you look at a mirror and you, you know, you see that you've got some stuff in your nose or you see you've got some stuff in your teeth or, you know, whatever. You've got some eye booger stuff in your eyes, whatever that stuff's called. You see that, Right. And you go, okay, I, I see it. There's crap in my teeth, and there's stuff in my eyes, and there's stuff in, it's a bad day for whoever this is, right? And you see it. Like, okay, this doesn't, uh, this doesn't, I don't look good. There's a problem here. And then you walk away from the mirror. And, and then somebody maybe says something to you. Maybe somebody comments and says, hey, dude, you got some boogers in your eye, or you've got, like, stuff in your teeth. And you go, well, I looked in the mirror. And James says, that's what hearing is like. That's what hearing is like without doing. See, because what happens is when you hear, hearing is like a mirror. Because maybe even as we were talking and we were looking at some of the stuff about humility and meekness, maybe you go, hey, that's me. I'm kind of like that. Sometimes I read the Bible and I, I'm kind of judgmental on what I accept and what I don't accept. Or, hey, man, I am not expecting. I don't eagerly come. I do have a pride that isn't like, man, God, speak to me. I need. And you hear it and you actually have a moment of clarity where you go, that's me. And you listen to sermons or you, you read the Bible and you have, I mean, when, when's the last time you had that flash of clarity as you were reading the Bible or listening to a sermon and you said, yes that's me. God's talking about me. That's speaking to me. That's something about me. That's something in my life. And James goes, that is dangerous. That's deceptive. Because like a person that looks in the mirror and sees clearly, you may then think that just because you saw clearly, now you've changed. You may think just because you saw clearly, you heard clearly, that you've changed. And James says, look, what we do with what God says can't just be to hear. The mirror's purpose is to show you where you need to change, not to actually change you. And hearing is often like that. We need more. See, if, you're, if you feel yourself just kind of in a cul-de-sac of, man, I, I kind of hear things, but my life doesn't really change, or I hear things, but I don't really grow, and I hear things, and I experience conviction, but... There's not, there isn't actual progress, and, 
and it's just kind of like, yeah, I've heard this before. James says, if, if that's what your experience is, God doesn't want that for you. God doesn't want you to just keep going in circles in your life, going, I've heard this before. I've seen this before. I know that that's what I look like. I know that he wants you to actually experience change. See, a lot of times when I preach, and I'm not trying to say this to like be boastful or something, but a lot of times when I preach, people will say something like, man, that was really convicting, or oh, that was so powerful, or oh, that was so good. And I've learned over time to take that with a, you know, whatever, a, you know, a grain of salt, a very small grain of salt. Because all that saying is, I looked in the mirror and I saw something clear. I looked in the mirror and I saw something clear. I go, okay, that's great, James says, but God doesn't want, God wants more for you. He wants that seed to actually grow into your life. He wants it to grow into your life. And what we do with what God says matters more than just the hearing of it. James says, are you a hearer that forgets or a doer that acts? What, what are you? Everybody shout out what you are. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, are you a doer that acts? Is, I mean, you just, I mean, in, in, in all seriousness, like just... Just answer that question in your soul right now. When it comes to the Word of God, when it comes to what God says, does what represents your life is the title that, if, if we were going to line everybody up and put them under hear who forgets or doer that acts, James says he wants us, God wants us to be a doer that acts, somebody that listens to what God says, that hears what God says and goes, yes, I want that in my life and I'm going to obey. Are you a doer that acts? James says that's what he wants for us. God says that's what he wants for us. He says he wants us to look at the word of God and to live our lives in accordance with that. Which again, listen, that doesn't just mean read the Bible and do all the things that you're supposed to do and don't do all the things that you're not supposed to do. That's a part of it. But it also means to look into the word of God, which is the gospel, who God is and what he's done for us. To look at that, to stare at that, to see, this is who God is, a God that's adopted me. So what does it mean to obey and live out of that? This is who God is, a God that forgives me. So what does it mean to live and in accordance with that? It means to forgive others. It means to welcome others. What does it mean that we have a God that takes away our shame and, and gives us a new identity? It means we don't have to pursue other things. And What does it mean to, I mean, he says, look at the word of God and live and do in accordance with that. Be a doer that acts in accordance with with what God has shown you. And you know what happens when we do that? He, you know what he says? He says we are blessed and we experience freedom. He says he calls it the law of liberty. Meaning when we do what God says, think again, it's the seed that's growing into our life and we're able to experience more fully the salvation God's given us. It gives us freedom. It blesses our life, to obey God, to be a doer that acts, blesses our life. I try to talk to my kids about this stuff. I try to talk to them about obedience. And my favorite parenting tool, besides the Bible, I guess, um, is, uh, <laughs> very confident, uh, is Google and Google Images. And so I'll talk to my kids and I'll say, look, you know, they, they don't want to eat their vegetables, right? Like any kid or most guys. They don't want to eat their vegetables. 
and they just want to eat chips and they just want to eat cheese and whatever, right? It's this very special diet that they're on. And they don't, and so I put in Google images, what happens if you don't eat vegetables, you know? And so I show them like this and go, hey, this is what's going to happen to you. You're going to have to have a shot every day, you know? You're going to, this is what Google says, this is what's going to happen. If you don't obey, you don't experience freedom. You don't experience blessing or they don't want to brush their teeth. So I show them this and say, <laughs> this is what happens when you don't brush your teeth. And they freak out and they're like, no, you know, and now they brush their teeth for two minutes. And, and I show, don't you want this? Don't you want to experience this? So I show my kids these because I'm a good parent and, uh, or a bad one. You'd be the judge of that. But it's because, of what, it's because of what James says. Because what James says is, look, I want you to do something with God, with what God says. I want you to do something with what God says, not because he's God, you need to obey, but because there's a blessed life that comes out of that. There's a blessed life that comes with eating your vegetables. There's a blessed life that comes with brushing your teeth. There's a blessed life that comes with when you take what God says and you look at it and you go, that's clarity, I see what it is, and now I'm going to live in accordance. There's a blessed life that comes with that. You see, even in the very beginning, what James says is receive the implanted word so that you will experience the salvation of your souls. But you know what? James is writing to people that are Christians. He's writing to people that have already been saved. But he's saying God wants you to more fully experience that salvation. He's writing to people that have already received the seed of the gospel in some way, but he says, I want that to grow into your life. I want you to experience, that's what obedience is. Obedience is fully experiencing salvation. It's fully, fully experiencing the life God's brought you into. God says, I've adopted you into my family. I've made you one with myself, and now I want you to experience what that life is. I want you to experience what that life is. What if we grew? What if, what if the seed of God's word, what if the seed of the gospel, that God loves you, that God forgives you, that God accepts you, that God brings you life with him, that God adopts you, what if, what if the seed of that was growing in your life? What would happen? What if the seed of that was growing into your life and you were living in accordance with that? What would happen for those of you that are struggling in your life? Imagine that seed getting planted deeper and growing and blossoming. A coffee seed is small and grows into a six-foot, you know, giant tree. Imagine the gospel seed getting planted and growing as you say, yes, I'm going to live in accordance with that. I'm going to live in accordance with that. Imagine that seed getting planted for those of you that are stuck in the cul-de-sac. Imagine that seed getting planted and growing and blossoming. This is what we do with it. We obey. We look at it and we obey and we say, okay, I'm going to be a doer that acts. And, and let me say this because I love the analogy of the seed. It's often slow. It's often slow. For those of you that have planted a garden, it's slow. You, you do all this work, you put the seed in, you cover it with dirt, you water it, you go out the next day, nothing changed. This isn't Jack and the Beanstalk. A coffee tree takes three years before it can actually produce what it's supposed to produce. It's often slow. And you might say, okay, I'm letting this seed get into me. I'm going to receive it with humility. I'm going to receive it with weakness. Every week, every week I come to church and I'm going to receive with humility and meekness. Every week I go to community group and receive with humility and meekness. And I'm going to make it a habit in my life to say, God, I'm going to obey. I'm going to 
Anytime I encounter the word of God, I'm going to say, I, what, what am I supposed to do with this now, God? But you know what? It's, it's slow. It's slow. And God is a patient gardener. If you've, if you've planted something, it, look, if you've planted something, and maybe you should do it today if you haven't before. If you've planted something, the first little, we, we planted a garden for several years, and, and, and I hate radishes, but that's the first thing that comes up, and that's why we plant them. It's just to give you like a, a boost of, okay, I'm, it's working. As they come up in like 28 days, you know, the good stuff takes a long time, and a radish, you know, it's like, you plant it, and it comes up in 28 days. And as soon as one little leaf pops out of the ground, I'm like, yes! And it's a radish. Nobody likes radishes. <laughs> but I see one little leaf and go, yes. And you know what? I think God is a gardener like that. I think God wants you to grow and obey him and change and do what he says because he wants you to experience salvation fully. But you know what? God isn't like, come on, grow quicker. God is a patient gardener that, is, that does see the good and the change in your life. And he's like, yes, that's what I'm talking about. Because what God wants isn't something from you. It's something for you. He wants you to experience growth and change because he wants joy for your life. He has saved us and he wants us to taste and fully experience that. So let me just ask you, where, what does that mean? Where, where do you need to obey? Where do you need to be a hearer? Not, where do you need to not be a hearer that forgets, but rather a doer that acts? Where have you had flashes of clarity that then you moved by and forgot what you actually, wh where do you need to go, okay, this is, this is what it means. And here's the last thing. What, what happens when we let what God says take root in us? See, the seed gets planted. It begins to grow. And then just like coffee, it has effects. It touches, it blesses different areas of life. What happens when we let what God says, actually take root and grow. What's the effects? Because maybe you even go, I do that, actually. I, I, I receive the, the word, and I do what he says. And, and James actually kind of wants to test us and go, are you sure? Are you sure that your religion, James says, are you sure it's not worthless? Are you sure that your beliefs, your faith, are you sure it's not worthless, useless? And here's what he says. Because he wants us to see, here's what actually happens when this process takes place. He says, if anyone thinks he's religious and does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. And then he says, here's the religion that's not worthless to God. Religion that's pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. You see, what happens when we let what God says take root in us? When this seed gets planted in us, the effects, just like coffee has effects of business meetings and dates and all of that stuff. When this seed gets planted in us, the effects is a life of radical blessing to others. It's a life that is different. One of the things he says is that we love the people that are vulnerable. And it's not just orphans and widows, that's what he calls out. But really, it's, it's those that are needy and vulnerable and weak. Orphans and widows are a great representation of that. But see, if the word of God gets planted in you and begins to grow in you, one of the things that will happen in your life is you will have a deep concern for orphans and widows. You know why? Because the seed of the word of God, the seed of the gospel is, is about, that gospel word is about a God that looks at us when we were weak and said, I will come after you. 
The seed of the gospel is the gospel word that says God looks at those that are not powerful in the world, that are not strong in the world, that are not rich and wise in the world, that he looks at those and says, you're mine. That God looks at the weak, that God looks at the outcast, that God looks at the sinners and says, you're mine. If that seed gets planted in you, you know what happens? Your growth and the effects in your life is you have a heart for the weak and the vulnerable. And he also says that you're unstained from the world, which means your allegiance is to God, not to the world. It means you're not affected by the world's values and the world's thoughts and the world's uh, philosophies, but that you say, God, I'm listening to you and I want what you say. Why? Because that's a seed that, think about this, we have a God that has said, I will unite myself to you. The Bible even uses language of marriage to talk about Jesus' relationship with the church. Jesus says, I'm devoted to you. I'm devoted to you. You are mine. I have chosen you. You belong to me. If the seed of that gospel gets planted in us, that that's how God is to us, what begins to then grow in our life, the effect that that has in our life, is that we say, okay, God, I'm devoted to you. And so we're not constantly pulling back to the world. This is what James says happens to us. Imagine that. Imagine we become a community. Different kind of, you want a different kind of life? You want a different kind of community? James says this is what we need. We need the word to get planted in us. We need to let it grow in us. And then it has effects in our life that touches and blesses other people. This is what we need. We need to go back over and over again to the seed, to the gospel. And a good way to even do that is to look at this and go, man, that doesn't reflect me. And you know what James says? Not just change, not just get on with it. Not, he says, you need the gospel again to get planted in you. See, because even when I read this, I can go, James started off by saying, don't be you know, quick to talk and be slow to anger. Hey, if anyone doesn't bridle his tongue, you know, if anyone doesn't control, and you look at that and go, man, I, I looked at that and go, man, I, I, that, I, that's a wrestle for me. Like, I can be quick to anger. I can be quick to speak and not slow to listen or whatever. I, I can be, I can't, that, that, that described, is my tongue totally bridled? No. And you know what James says? He doesn't just say, okay, so do this, change this. He says, what you need is this gospel seed planted in you again. You got to go back. You need the gospel seed. It's got to go deeper. And over time it grows and over time it has effects. And that's part of why we take communion every week. It's to remember and even symbolically to say, I need the gospel, the good news of what Jesus has done, his body broken, his blood shed. I need that in me. I need to get it planted deeper so it grows, so it has effects. That's what we do when we take communion. We say, I need the gospel seed planted in me, God. The seed of a God that is for the weak, us, sinners. Seed of a God that says, you're mine and I'm devoted to you. The seed of a God that, that forgives us when we are hearers that forget. I need that seed planted in me over and over and over again. And we all do. So let's pray and as we take communion, remember these truths. And as we sing songs, ask God to open our hearts with meekness to allow it to get deeper and deeper. Father, thank you that you are a good, loving and patient father that speaks to us.
and wants your word, wants what you say to grow into our life. God, you want us to taste and experience the salvation you've given us. Lord, I pray that you would help us as a church to become a people that are not hearers that forget, but doers that act. I pray that as a church, you would then let the gospel seed plant even deeper than it is now into our community so that the effects of that would be the blessing of others, the widow and the orphan, and, and that we would be a church that's unstained from the world because we know that you are devoted to us. God, let those seeds take deeper root in us, even now as we sing and take communion. In your name, Jesus, we pray.